The Love Good Podcast is brought to you by our patrons. On top of being a media discovery platform and crowdfunding initiative, we are a grassroots movement that accompanies young people and artists who are transforming culture with beauty. Our patrons are on the front lines of discovering the world's best new music, books, and art before anyone else. Build the culture you've always imagined. Join the movement and become a patron today at lovegoodculture.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Love Good Podcast. This is your host, Jimmy Mitchell. We're recording here in Nashville, Tennessee, in the Love Good studio. And, you know, I just keep thinking these episodes get better and better. Like, we've got Leah Darrow coming on just a little bit later. Leah Darrow, who was formerly one of America's top models, right? She was living in New York City. Her face was on billboards in Times Square, And then out of nowhere, she had this massive transformation, and she realized that she had settled for counterfeit beauty. She had settled for a life that wasn't bringing her joy and freedom. And out of that transformation came a real deepening of understanding of what it really means to be woman and what it means to be beautiful. She's got a brand new book out called The Other Side of Beauty. You're going to hear about that as well. And then before that, as always, we're going to have Janae Trudell on, my co-host from Saskatchewan, Canada, to talk about really the philosophy of beauty or aesthetics, right? What is it that, in fact, causes an arrest in our hearts or a speechlessness where we can't even put into words an encounter? And that is really the nature of beauty that, that climbs into the heart, seizes the heart, uh, just long enough, hopefully, for then truth to accompany it. So this is an incredible show, the kind of conversation that is foundational to what Love Good is all about. I hope you enjoy it. By the way, if you haven't already, this is a great time to start telling your family and your friends about this podcast to go ahead and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher so that you never miss an episode. You can kick back now. We're going to play a brief song from Kevin McGoldrick's debut album that we released exclusively to our patrons about a year ago. And uh, it's still one of my favorites. To live in a coffee land. I got percolated homemade, like my mama made. Tastes so good it goes down like a marmalade. Cappuccino, frappuccino, mocha java. I don't need no other kind of drink to get my heart mind start. I think of when I'm rising in the dark. I don't need no other spark to get my life a moving. Why? I got coffee. As always, this is the part of the show where we sit down with the one and only Janae Trudell to talk about the mysteries of life and what it really means to be human. How are you doing, Janae? Great. Thanks. How are you? Really good. Really good. I mean, gosh, it is sort of hard to believe that Thanksgiving is now behind us. We've had uh, several beautiful interviews up until this point with people like Luke Smallbone for King and Country, Catherine Cimarelli. Obviously, we inaugurated this season of the podcast with you. And it's been a real joy to kind of navigate these different waters of what it really means to lead with beauty, rooted in truth that transforms, right? That love good standard that we talked about. But I think today we're going to kind of hone in on just this great mystery, uh, this great reality that is beauty, right? These these encounters that we have that leave us in that state of wonder, that leave us speechless, that leave us wanting to trace 
you know, the source of that beauty mm-hmm. um, so that we know where it came from. I think when we call to mind authentic beauty, everybody innately kind of feels that it's not just the mere sentimentality, sticky, sweet, kitsch stuff that the world is feeding us nowadays. The fleeting things. But uh, that's mostly what we're exposed to. And surely that's been my experience throughout my life. Um, And I think it was mostly maybe in my later teen years when I really, maybe I just started to get impatient with this like really deep desire and capacity in me to receive beauty um, and, and the gap between that and what I was actually receiving, which was just a lot of fleeting, like ephemeral things. What does that word mean? Ephemeral, ephemeral like, uh, passes within a day, like just nice. not lasting. Um, yeah, we were just talking about that this morning with the apprentices, this kind yeah. of fleeting pleasure mm-hmm. that we're so often offered that feels really good. Or even seems really good in the moment and then leaves us wanting. Mm-hmm. And it leaves us searching for the next fleeting pleasure, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it the thing is, is it makes a promise. Um, and maybe it keeps it. Like, you will, you'll be satisfied. But it, it's not in the way that we want it to, which is a forever sort of thing. And authentic beauty, I think, it proposes a question rather than just gives us an answer right off the bat. Which is, we're attracted to answers. We're Every the, the whole all of society is on a pursuit for what the next thing is and what um, what's going to satisfy in any given moment. Um, and so, f- frankly, our, our culture nowadays just doesn't have patience for real beauty that's proposing a question to us and is uh, demanding that we that we embark on a pursuit after that. Um, and I didn't. I wasn't always up for that <laughs> in my life. I was. Uh, happy to just kind of like keep consuming the same old things that were like were nice for a second and then and then left me wanting a few moments later do you think that it's safe to say that that beauty poses the questions that perhaps truth seeks to answer hmm yeah yeah and the reason i ask that is because it took a while for me to come around to this idea of beauty. Now, I don't know if it's because of my education at Vanderbilt or if it's just because of my upbringing and kind of, I've always been fairly inclined academically. What I mean to say is I've always loved to study. I've mm-hmm. always loved to learn. I've always loved to make sense of things. Like when I was a kid, I was never quite obsessed with Legos, but I had connects after connects. You don't even know what that is, do you? Mm-hmm. Do I you? Do. Yeah, I do. Okay. Most people have no <laughs> idea. I would build these massive roller coasters and yeah. these Ferris wheels. In fact, my mom just bought a brand new motor for the Ferris wheel, right? So there was a bit of a budding engineer in me, maybe even aspiring architect. I just loved to see things come together and make sense. And, and what that means is that was at times... Uh, at battle with the other part of me that's very artistic and very creative and want thing, wants things to not just make sense, but for them to be attractive, for them mm-hmm. to draw me in. So I just remember distinctly in college almost having a conversion towards beauty where I realized that it, it was kind of pointless to talk about or debate the truth if you hadn't first drawn people in. You know, we've just now released G.K. Chesterton's Orthodoxy um, well, I say that, and it's actually literally going in the mail right now to our, our patrons all over the world. And one of the things I love about G.K. Chesterton is he knew how to win people over. 
I mean, he was probably not like a beautiful man to behold. I mean, he was like six foot three and his weight at any given moment fluctuated between 300 and 400 pounds. <laughs> all right. And this guy could sit down mm-hmm. and debate the greatest atheist of his time, mm-hmm. George Bernard Shaw, H.G. Wells. But he'd have them in such a roar of laughter. I mean, he would have them in a fit of joy within minutes of their debate Mm -hmm. that they were ready to surrender out the gate. I mean, they just knew that, one, Chesterton was a more brilliant intellect, but because he led with beauty, he had a way of drawing Mm -hmm. them in. He just became irresistible to them. Yeah, I think it's so important in art and first in our lives um, to... It, everything needs to be invitational, basically. And if it's not, you're going to be kind of blazing a trail and running ahead, so convinced that you have the answers and so convinced that you're living the good life and you're going to turn around and there'll be nobody following you. You'll have bulldozed over yeah. people along the way, huh? Yeah. It doesn't actually even matter how passionate we are. Um, if, if there's not a, an invitation in the way that we approach dialogue and the way that we approach relationship and the way that we approach the world... Uh, if we don't even have the courage to propose the questions that perhaps we think we have the answers to, uh, then, like you said, we're just going to leave a trail behind us with nobody following. So it's it's like, yeah, it's it's like that with anything. And beauty has a way of sneaking past all the preconceived notions and um, and worries and fears and walls that we have up, and just like really gently taking us by the hand and and welcoming into like being the bridge between where we are and where we where we want to go. And and this is what like our life can do too is it, it steals past as you said all those misconceptions, all those preconceived ideas, right? And it just in a way that's radical, you can just jump right into someone's heart, mm-hmm. you know, and pull out the best and get them asking those questions that really matter. And those questions are of course, what am I here for? Mm-hmm. What is the purpose of my life? Uh, what does it really mean? to be human. What are the questions, you know, that you want people to ask when they encounter you as an artist, when they encounter the kind of uh, music and books and art that we're putting out with Love Good? I think everything that you just said, um, those really fundamental questions that we're kind of born asking, um, who am I? What am I here for? What's in store for me? What does all of this mean? Um, that seem really vague, which I think is why a lot of people don't bother to ask them. Um, but the reality is, is there are answers to those things and, um, and they're different for all of us. Uh, but there's like a fundamental, there's just a fundamental truth that um, beauty welcomes us to come and discover as one people. And what I find so really amazing is that the, the more poignant the more captivating beauty is for somebody, the more willing they are to open themselves up to the truth that goes along mm-hmm, with it. Mm-hmm. So I heard a story recently about a businessman, multi-million dollar businessman, who was on a plane, uh, jumbo jet, going from one part of the world to another. There seemed to be nothing wrong with the plane. Everybody seemed to be in place. The uh, flight crew and pilots, everybody's ready to go. But there's a delay that no one seems to be able to understand. Well, suddenly there's whispers across the plane that there's some kind of celebrity that's about to board that needed special clearance or a special escort or something, right? And there's actually one empty seat on this entire plane. Hmm. And uh, before you know it, there's a, there's a few like security guards slowly escorting a woman that 
is really short and a bit de- decrepit. She's dressed in white and light blue. And uh, before you know it, this woman is sitting next to this millionaire businessman. And it doesn't take him very long to realize he's sitting next to Mother Teresa herself. Mm. And they get about 40,000 feet high. She hasn't said a word yet. And she turns to him. And she doesn't ask the question, you know, what, what do you do? I mean, that'd be a very appropriate and polite question to ask a stranger. But she had the courage, and I think she had the credibility because of the beauty of her life to ask the following question. Mm-hmm. What is it that you do that matters? Mm-hmm. And from that moment on, because he had nothing to say in response to that, his life was forever changed. Mm-hmm. The intense beauty of that woman, even in that moment, allowed her to ask a question that was actually kind of pointed mm-hmm. and direct, mm-hmm. but say with such love and with such credibility that it brought about this man's conversion, hmm. realizing that, wow, no, um, actually I have nothing to respond with that. I, I don't know what I do that actually matters, you mm-hmm. know, at the end of the day. And uh, that is the, the tip of the arrow that we always talk about here at Lovegood yeah. is, is the beauty of one's life that captivates others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's essentially it gains your trust, right? And not in a sneaky, like stealing, like sneaking past the watchful dragons is not, it's not like it puts on a disguise and uh, deceives you into letting it into your heart and then just turns everything upside down. It's it's trustworthy. And so we can let it do as such like, like that man did. Some things that we may perceive as like attractive or good in the moment is not, is not trustworthy. Um, and we experience that. And every day I'm like falling for things that promise something and, and don't keep it. And those things, they might be attractive and beautiful in its own sense. But if it's, they're not like impregnated with the answers to the question that beauty is, is presenting. Right. So it's not, um, it's not rooted in truth. Like we say, leading with beauty rooted in truth. If those two aren't married, um, it kind of can't be trusted, but it actually is, it, it doesn't sound, um, it sounds really hard to decipher, but in reality, it's just not, we know it's, it's innate in us to know the difference. Like that man sitting in the seat, if, if someone else were to come beside him, beside him and be praising him for all his, um, accomplishments and his wealth and this and that, um, that would have been nice for a second and he would have forgot about it the next day. Um, but something about the way that Mother Teresa didn't really sneak at all. <laughs> she just like went right in there and she could afford to do that because um, there's with beauty comes trust and, and rightfully so because we, we encounter something that we are so deeply made for to receive. It's almost like there's a intricately shaped hole in our hearts and beauty just it's we know that it fits there with beauty comes trust which perhaps would mean that with counterfeit beauty comes suspicion Mm -hmm. Uh, this is setting the stage beautifully for the conversation we're about to have with leah darrow she spent so much of uh, her young adulthood as a bit of a celebrity you know Mm -hmm. america's top model and uh, kind of fell into a lot of traps of counterfeit beauty. And I think even within her own heart, it it created this culture of suspicion and uh, such a beautiful transformation that the Lord brought about in her and a really beautiful conversation to come uh, in just a few moments as we sit down with Leah Darrow to talk about the nature of true beauty, 
or as she puts it, the other side of beauty. So as always, thank you, Jenea, for being a part of this uh, initial conversation to set the stage for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, We look forward to seeing you next week. Yeah. Can I can I can I hear just one time more before I'll be hanging and hear the lady by the shore? You're listening to Love Good Podcast. That was Lady by the Shore from the brand new album by Mike Mangione and the Kin. It's actually very exciting because of an autographed version of this album going out exclusively to our patrons next week. If you don't know what that means, just go to lovegoodculture.com slash join. We're here in the Love Good studio today with Leah Darrow. She's calling in from St. Louis. How you doing, Leah? I'm doing great. We're so glad to have you on the show. It's been a real journey for us talking to different artists, singer-songwriters, thought leaders, especially these last few weeks, about beauty, about culture, about what it really means to be human. And you and I have been friends now for a few years. We did a series of events in St. Louis probably back in 2014, and it's been a real joy to reconnect, uh, strangely enough, in other cities across the country. And now to hear that you've got a book out, to hear that Life is beautiful, but I'm sure a bit crazy as a wife, as a mother, as a speaker, as now a published author. Uh, Maybe you could just give our our listeners at this point a a bit of an introduction. Who are you? What is your life about? And what's kind of brought you to this point? Sure, of course. Yeah, as you mentioned, um, you know, whenever you're talking about beauty, true beauty, it's always going to involve a little bit of chaos because... That's our life. And that definitely probably uh, sums up mine. So, yeah, I'm a wife. I'm a mother. Um, I'm married to just the love of my life. I know as everybody says, but it's true. I love my Ricky. Everybody who's ever heard me talk knows that I talk about my Ricky. So, yeah, Ricky and I have uh, three kids, ages four, two, and one. And then we are pregnant with our fourth and so that's you know beautiful and chaotic all in one. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been a I've been a public speaker for going on now 10 years. So I began slowly talking and sharing my life and my story and kind of the message that God has put on my heart. And that really um, is wrapped up into my past life and kind of where God's brought me from there. So I used to be uh, uh, on America's Next Top Model, that TV show. I was on uh, cycle three of that show. And my life prior to that point, and then shortly after was definitely not living for God. My moral compass was not pointing due north for sure, uh, but it it led me to this point of conversion. And so a few years after being on America's Next Top Model, living in New York, working as a professional model, I had a encounter. I had a moment <laughs> where I could not turn my heart or back on Christ one more time. And I had been doing that time and time again, but this is just one moment where I couldn't say no. And I ended up turning my whole life kind of back to Christ, and it was a very slow process, but I began to uh, come back to my faith, come back to the realization that Christ has made me for more than just what the beauty and fashion industry was offering me. Uh, And so I began that journey back home and that kind of allowed me to get to a place of spiritual rehabilitation and kind of find out really who I was and what I was meant to do in this world and the purpose God had for me in my life. And 
a part of that purpose is sharing my life and my my love for the gospel uh, with others through public speaking and through writing and through my own podcast. So that's kind of where I'm at. So beautiful. And in fact, long before we met, I heard you give a powerful testimony uh, that really, if I'm not mistaken, involved your dad and a real uh, beautiful uh, moment where he almost represented um, the father, right, in, inviting you back or bringing you back with, with his love. Do you mind retelling that little moment that, at least for me, continues to stand out as just a profound witness of, of God's love that's constantly and relentlessly pursuing us? Absolutely. I would love, love to. It's always the moment in this part of my talk where there's never a dry eye. I don't even have a dry eye. I mean, even though I retell this over and over, it is so powerful because it's like you said, uh, it definitely embodies the father's love. My dad, um, was given a grace to do such a beautiful job in that moment. So to set it up, uh, as I mentioned before, by the time I was 15, I began my slow fade away from my faith and it was just small movements small movements away from faith and choosing sin, choosing vice over virtue, you know, um, things we're probably all familiar with. So it got to the point of when I was 25, I was living in New York. This is after I was on the TV show, working as a professional model, and my life is just miserable. I mean, I have a comma in my paycheck. I am on the side of taxi cabs, my pictures in Times Square. I'm invited to red carpet events. You'd think everything was great, but inside I am just miserable and I'm searching for the reason for that misery and it got to the point where I had this I was in the middle of a fashion photo shoot and Christ just touched my heart in a profound way and not to linger there but anyways I made a decision in the middle of the photo shoot to walk out and be like no I'm not gonna I just can't do this I'm not gonna do it anymore so I walk out I go all the way home really not knowing what I'm going to do. I have no, I actually have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I'm just crying. I'm walking down Fifth Avenue. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just walked out of this massive job and everybody's telling me that, you know, I'm going to be a nobody if I leave. And I just knew though I had to leave. God was, it was completely evident to me that God was on my heart telling me I was, that he made me for more. And so I walked out and I went home and I just did the only thing a girl could do. I just I called my dad and um, I called him and I just said, dad, if you don't come and get me, I'm going to lose my soul. And those are my exact words. And um, there was this really long pause. And the next thing I heard is my dad's voice. And he just said, okay, baby, I'm coming to get you. And uh, my daddy drove over 2000 miles to come pick me up from from Missouri to Manhattan to New York City where I was living and working. And he gets to my doorstep at that moment and I'm expecting, you know, the worst. I'm expecting to hear that I've been the worst example for my five younger brothers and sisters, that I've put my mother and him through the torment of me, like, you know, just of my lifestyle and the choices that I was living, they always thought that I was going to die from some drug overdose or from, you know, partying too hard or something. And all of those were legitimate concerns that they had, uh, for absolutely. Like, I can't believe that God has kept me alive. I can't believe that I didn't die, uh, so many times in my life prior because of the way that I was living. And I'm expecting to hear all of this from my dad when he gets to my doorstep and I open up the door and I am prepared and prepped 
to take it because I just know that it's just. I know that, yes, you're right. I have screwed up for 10 years. That last decade of my life, I've screwed up. I'm, I'm just the worst. And I opened up the door and I, <laughs> I definitely saw something I didn't expect. Uh, my dad's hands were both completely open wide and his knees were bent and he just... I opened up the door and he almost kind of jumped at me and he said, I am, I am so happy to see you. And I just thought, you know, like what's wrong with you? Why would you greet somebody like that? And he just kept talking. He's like, listen, before we leave New York, I want to go see Central Park and I want to go to um, Carnegie Deli and eat this big sandwich that I saw on the Food Network. And I'm c completely confused, not sure why he's talking about food in the park. I mean, I'm only at the point of spiritual despair, but my dad's talking about all of these things and I'm just thinking, <laughs> okay. And I'm just going along with it. And then I end up trying to walk out of the door. He's still in the door frame, has never entered into my apartment and I'm getting ready to leave. And I'm like, okay, dad, let's, let, let, let's go. And he looked at me and he held up his finger and he goes, yes, but first, first we go to confession. And as a Catholic, I had not been practicing my Catholic faith in over a decade. I had not been receiving the sacraments, had not been inside of a church. And I just could not believe that he said it. And I just thought, I just don't know if I can do it. And he just said one more time. He's like, Leah, you were the one that called. You were the one that called and said you needed to come home. And I'm here to take you home. And Jesus is home. If you want to go anywhere else, you can call Southwest Airlines. Oh, that is so good. So good. I... I I just can't imagine even the vulnerability and the courage on your part that it took to be able to say those words, if you don't come and get me now, Dad, I'll, I'll lose my soul. Uh, such an incredible thing. And I would imagine so much of your journey, your deepening of conversion, your return to God, uh, obviously it's had a whole lot to do with, I'm sure, the beauty of his love. And I'm sure that word, beauty, has taken on a whole new meaning, right? To go from being a part of America's top model um, and being known, um, at least on the surface, by millions, perhaps, certainly thousands, if not millions of people, um, knowing your face, knowing uh, Leah Darrow, and, and then to, to go from that kind of beauty, right, that obviously was leaving you unsatisfied, um, or, or I should say um, the... The, the world that often, you know, kind of presents the, the counterfeits of beauty to really then falling back in love with God. So I really am curious. Um, we talk a lot about the transcendental of beauty, the, the, the power that it has to, to wound our soul, you know, to, to leave us in a state of wonder, to, to, to even open us to the possibility of truth, which we know is ultimately the truth of God's love. So I'm curious, in light of your story, what what has been your transformed understanding of the word beauty? Right. Well, one, I think that, that it starts there. I had such a distorted view of the word beauty. And if if you hear the word beauty and it's complicated for you, there's layers and layers and layers upon things you have to do, you're doing beauty wrong. Beauty is simple. Beauty is what sometimes will break open your heart so that truth can seep in. I mean, beauty is that beautiful way that we can reach out into the world and we can connect with our humanity with others. And when we forget who we are and when we forget whose we are, 
Everything else will become distorted. Beauty will be distorted. Truth will be distorted. Goodness will be distorted. And, and that's, that's the beauty of beauty is that it's simple. It's simple and it's true and it's good. And so for me, I had to get back to understanding what beauty was because beauty was a word for me that made me exhausted. It was me constantly chasing after something, an ideal, a look, a lifestyle, that made me have to change who I was to fit into a mold from culture that was trying to make me something that I wasn't made to be. And so I had to go back to the beginning and redefine my terms in truth. So I had to figure out like, what does beauty mean? What do the philosophers say? What does scripture say? What does Jesus say about beauty? And I came to two words that I could sum everything up with. Beauty was Holiness and wholeness. And for me, that's where it begins, and that's where it starts there. And when you, when you look at the fact that beauty should be holiness and wholeness, it becomes very simple. You're right. That, that's the tip of the arrow that wounds the soul and leaves us in a state of wonder. It, it's the beauty of holiness far more than fashion, music, books, art, literature. It's ultimately the beauty of holiness. So I'm guessing, Leah, this is actually what your new book is all about. I think it was a year ago that we were in Atlanta <laughs> together and yes. you were begging for prayers because this book was basically very much underway and the manuscript was due a lot faster than you were probably ready for. And here we are. Uh, you're a week or two um, by the time this podcast released. In fact, this book will have released November 21st, The Other Side of Beauty. Uh, tell us all about it. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. About a year ago, we were at a conference together in Atlanta and I was, I was, I was literally begging you. I was like, Jimmy, please, please pray for me. <laughs> I was, and I meant every single one of those, those requests from everybody that I was asking for prayers for because it was a struggle like every author knows. But yeah, so this book, it's called The Other Side of Beauty. And that's the whole point. I wanted to present really the idea of beauty that the world offers, that our current culture offers, this idea of beauty that enslaves, this idea of beauty that manipulates, and the idea of beauty that distorts really who we've been made to be. And I kind of look at like the world's definition of beauty. I go into the high cost of imitation beauty and how it's connected to love so that beauty and love are tightly woven together and always have and always will be. And so when we distort something as seemingly meaningless as beauty and the exterior world, it can easily seep into the how we look at love and then how we look at ourselves. And then I dive into the truth about beauty. Um, desiring beauty, becoming beautiful, and sharing true beauty. And it obviously it comes down to, as the title of the book says, the other side of beauty. The other side of beauty is transformational, which means that the other side of beauty is in and of itself the person of Jesus Christ. We're back with our weekly segment here with Jessamine Anderson. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. How are you, Jimmy? Yeah, really good. You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of J's running around right now. <laughs> a lot of my closest family and friends are out there being like, all right, can we just come up with some nicknames? Jimmy, Jenea, Jessamine. It's just a lot for people. 
Well, I'm sorry that we're just too much to handle. Was there like a nickname you had growing up we could start implementing now? No, I like going by my full name. What about like men? Oh, no. Jessa? Ugh. Jess? No. Jay? No. J-Dog? No. I like J-Dog. No. Forget about it. All right, let's get to <laughs> how we can build culture this week with Jessamine Anderson. I was noticing that your fridge looks a lot cooler since you hung the Love Good standard up on there. And so I wanted to let other people know this week how they can get their hands on the standard that you and Janeo were talking about last week on the podcast. Yeah, no, it's a really beautiful black and white easy print off. Like, I don't even know where it came from. Well, you have to download the sampler to get it. So remember to go to lovegoodculture.com and download the sampler and eventually you'll get a PDF that you can print out at home of the Love Good standard. You can hang it on the fridge. You can pass it out at school if that's your style. And uh, it's just a really great reference to kind of carry the media in your own life. It's the standard we use in-house to make sure all of the media that we are giving to you guys follows our guidelines. And then it's a standard that we have decided that we're going to live our life by, too. So it's really good. So a week ago, we got into great detail about the Love Good Standard with Janae Trudell. Before we sign off with you, Jessamine, remind me, what are the key elements of the Love Good Standard? All Love Good content leads with beauty rooted in truth that transforms. Man, that sounds so good. And in fact, if you want a full detail, beautiful print-off version of that standard, all you got to do is, again, go to lovegoodculture.com. Eventually, as you get the free music, the free book, excerpt and artwork, you're going to eventually get an email from us with this beautiful, beautiful PDF attached. You can print it off. It's going to be awesome. And actually, this is great because we're constantly intaking media. This is more than just music, books, and artists, even Netflix. Because mm-hmm. we've all binged there, too. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the case. Well, Jessamine, as always, thanks for being so real and so practical. <laughs> and um, again, we'll start working on nicknames for oh, next week. Wonderful. Have a great week, Jimmy. sounds to me, Leah, like there's a a bit of a three-step journey over the course of this book, The Other Side of Beauty, to to first desire true beauty, to then become it, and then to share that with others. Where did that process uh, really come to life for you? How how did that language kind of develop around the the kind of journey or the transformation of beauty? It's, I I think it really comes back to my conversion. Um, I just spent a lot of time, obviously, in prayer and meditation and really thinking in truth about my life and my past life and everything that's happened. And the idea that I was always desiring beauty, and even before I had my conversion, but what I desired and then what I accepted did not match. I was, I was desiring something, you know, eternal, and I settled for something very very finite and it, it didn't match. And so because of that, I couldn't share that. And so I realized that when I had my conversion, my, my desire for beauty was a desire for Christ. And when you keep that as like your benchmark, then you really can start becoming more like Christ, becoming more beautiful by living out his words and his commands to us. And then when you become that, or when you start to become that and you start to live more for Christ and with Christ, then you, the sharing is automatic. It's, it's evangelization. And beauty is in and of itself evangelization. It's how we evangelize to the world that God exists, that he lives in us, and we want to share that love with others. All right. Well, I'm going to now ask the question that everybody is asking. How in the world can we get our hands on a copy of this book? Um, 
it sounds amazing. I thank you. Praise be to God. All glory be to God. In fact, I dedicated the book to Christ himself and his love and his mercy because it's only by him that that I am who I am, that I exist, and that I live in his in his love and in his grace. But you can get this book, The Other Side of Beauty, anywhere books are sold. You can grab it on Amazon. You can go to Barnes & Noble. Anywhere books are sold. You can also grab it on my website, leadero.com. And yeah, grab it. Grab a copy for yourself, copy for your friend, and share share the love, share the beauty. That's great. And for those who are eager to begin following you or staying in touch on social media, what are some of your... Um your, your handles there. Yes. Yeah, so on Instagram, I'm, uh, I'm at Leah.Darrow. Twitter, it's at Leah.Darrow. And Facebook, you can just find me right there at Leah.Darrow, Leah.Darrow, I believe as well. So I'm all there. You can find me. Everybody, we've been in the studio today with Leah Darrow talking about her brand new book, The Other Side of Beauty, now available everywhere. Books are sold uh, so that we never again settle for that high cost as you put it, Leah, of imitation beauty, but rather that we would desire, become, and ultimately share that true beauty that we know is holiness and and wholeness, something that only Christ himself can offer. Uh, What an absolute privilege to have you on the show today, Leah. I look forward to seeing you again soon and perhaps bringing you back on uh, one day again. I would love that, Jimmy. Thank you so much. I miss my family You're listening to the Love Good Podcast. That was If I Ever Come Back Home by Michelle Mandico. It's one of the tracks on our brand new sampler exclusively and for a limited time only available at lovegoodculture.com. This is actually now one of my favorite points in the show where we take a listener question. This time we've got one all the way from Cheadle, England. Hi, Jimmy. Lucas here all the way over from England. Being a 16-year-old boy, I was just wondering how we can pursue beauty with all the hardships that we face daily. Thank you. Lucas, my man, what a great question. Lucas Weaver is actually an old friend, a bit like family to me, and he lives in one of the most incredible villages in the Midlands of England with this towering, towering church, which is the Church of St. Giles, actually designed by the same architect who built Big Ben as part of the Houses of Parliament in London. So how do we pursue beauty, especially in the midst of hardship. In fact, Lucas, I think pursuing beauty in the midst of hardship is one of the most important things we could do because it's in hardship and pain and in suffering, we're we're perhaps most inclined to despair. And if beauty does anything, it elevates our soul. It, It helps us to have a sense of hope. It's a really good friend of mine. His name is Eric Jenis, really brilliant composer, pianist, instrumentalist. And he does a lot of prison ministry, specifically with men on death row. And he always tells this story when he was in the midst of a song, playing piano with a string quartet accompanying him. This inmate stands up, interrupts 
Eric in the middle of this song and he's weeping. And he just simply says, Eric, thank you for reminding me what hope felt like. This is exactly the power of beauty in the midst of hardship to remind us that there's more to come, to remind us that, in fact, pain and hardship do not have the final word, that, in fact, joy follows suffering, that beauty follows brokenness. And, of course, if we have the eyes of faith, this is the very nature of redemption, right, that out of the cross came the resurrection. So, in fact, pursuing beauty, looking for beauty, engaging with beauty, almost with the eyes of a mystic, in the midst of hardship is one of the most important things we could ever do if we're serious about living with joy, living with freedom, uh, living with a sense of hope. So Lucas, as always, thank you for that question. I cannot wait to see you in March when I get back to England for a couple of weeks with The Apprentices. For those who are wondering, we've also got some really amazing events coming up next month in Michigan and Indiana. I'm starting to give corporate talks as well. Have some coming up in Birmingham and Phoenix uh, later in 2018 as the spring unfolds. And just know, as always, that there's a lot of different ways that you can be staying in touch with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Next week, we've got a very special guest, Mike Mangione, coming on the line. He's an incredible Americana folk artist from Wisconsin. We're going to talk a lot about culture. What do we really mean over here at Love Good when we talk about building culture, especially culture, perhaps how we've always hoped it could be or perhaps only imagined it could be? Really an important term to to define and one that Mike is constantly engaged with, constantly trying to deepen his understanding and engagement with. What does it really mean to build culture by way of beauty? So if you want to ask a question about culture, as always, all you got to do is email us a voice memo or an audio recording at content at lovegoodculture.com. Hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Check us out on social media. We're always ready to hear what you have to say and uh, what media recommendations that you want to make as well. Uh, We love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. Tell your friends all about us. Stay in touch on social media and be sure to stop by iTunes or Stitcher to give us a review. Massive thanks to all of our patrons who make this podcast possible. On top of being a media discovery platform and crowdfunding initiative, we are a grassroots movement that accompanies young people and artists who are transforming culture with beauty. Our patrons are on the front lines of discovering the world's best new music, books, and art before anyone else. Build the culture you've always imagined. Join the movement and become a patron today at lovegoodculture.com.